0: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard.
1: Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show for entrepreneurs, the people who really care about this country the people who will kick-start the recovery and generate millions of high-paying, high-skilled jobs that are suitable for the 21st century. We had a great response about last week's show where I highlighted five great initiatives for entrepreneurs. So I think we might have started something. I hope we have. I'm really proud to have a program that's intended to inform and educate small business owners and startups because it's important that um, you avoid making the mistakes and falling in those holes that those of us who went before you did. You know, I've um, been a startup and I've run small businesses and I've had prominent positions with major corporations and I know where I'd rather be. Growing a business is fun, it's challenging, but it's bloody hard. And it's enormously rewarding both, both emotionally and financially, but you really have to do your homework. You really need to make sure that you do all the stuff that most of us hate doing, like writing good business plans and writing good investment strategies. Um, you know, all the, all the detailed stuff that most entrepreneurs don't want to do in this first segment. I'm going to give you some more advice on how to promote your business online without costing you very much money. In the second segment, I'm interviewing an entrepreneur from New Zealand about the recovery from their devastating earthquakes. They've had nearly 10,000 earthquakes in the city of Christchurch, and it's pretty much flattened the whole city. It's really created a bit of a stir in New Zealand in the media so make sure you don't miss it it's on in about 15 minutes okay now there's some ideas for promoting your business online last week i mentioned that no matter what your business is you always have news that you can issue as an online media release this can be opening the business it can be getting a new client it can be getting a new supplier announcing a competition in the company Maybe you or even one of your suppliers have won an award, and there's a whole bunch more things that you can go out there and promote. So today, we're going to cover a few more of those to enable you to get the word out about what you do for not much money. Now, these great tips on getting exposure on the web come from Web, a terrific source to get your stories out there at very low cost, and they generate a hell of a lot of exposure. Now, one successful idea in today's environment, whether, you, whether or not you're in the environmental industry or not, is to win customers with a green story. Everybody loves green, and people like to support companies that help the environment. Now, a huge number of people are out there all the time searching online for green products, particularly bloggers and, and reporters, and journalists who are out there looking for stories. So get your Echo News out there. And if you have a new angle that you can recycle old stories and you can make it green news with a, you know, with a new slant on it, do it. It works. Now, you might be organising an event. It could be for your business. It might be to help a local charity or your local community. Well, that's a really neat story. The great thing is that you can make several news releases out of it. You know, you can advise people that the event's coming. You can talk about last year's success. Once it's over, you can talk about how successful the event was and if it was for raising money, how much money you raised, who attended, um, did you have speakers, and if you did, which ones really stood out? What was the highlight of the event? You know, you can let the world know, and people are interested People like people who do things for other people. So make it a story. And don't forget that not only your potential customers will, might pick up on this, but also media and bloggers, and that can drive it far further than you ever th- thought possible. But the key thing is to give details, details, and details. Not only do details make your story interesting, They also help make an impression that sticks in the reader's mind. So the more human and natural you can appear, the more likely you are for people to like you and spread the story. Just think yourself about how many emails you get or how many stories you come across that you forward on to your friends. You know, mostly they're jokes, but a lot of them are good, solid stories. I know that I get a lot from a whole bunch of business sources that I forward onto all sorts of people. So make it interesting. Now, the world's full of myths. You know, don't go out without a coat, don't walk under an umbrella, don't crack your knuckles, and no matter whatever you do, don't swallow your gum. You know, there are tons of these myths in every industry. And, you know, and... You need to sit down, think about them for a bit, and an online news release is a great platform to debunk them, and if you can debunk them and build it in with your brand and your products, then it becomes a story that's interesting, and it's the kind of told-you-so link that people love to send to their friends, so it's not just a story, it is an add for you if you tie yourself in properly now if you just put yourself in as a footnote everybody will carry the story without without mentioning you so you must be tied in another excellent way to get publicity is to issue a news release about your latest charitable contribution you know a lot of us give give funds to charity and um, perhaps you'll give funds to charity personally Well, maybe you should think about giving those funds to charity through the company and that way it will help you generate awareness and credibility not only for you but for the cause that you believe in. Now, a lot of these causes have huge databases. So ask the cause if you can piggyback through their database and it will really help you build a brand and the equity in your brand. That's the most important thing. It gives you credibility and equity and it will drive business for you as well. You know, it'll win you positive media com- uh, coverage and connect your business with the many consumers that believe in the cause that you're helping. So make sure you use keywords to promote your charity or organisation. Use the charity, the names of their celebrity followers, well-known donors, and put them in the headline or the opening paragraph. And that's exactly what you need to do to improve your search ratings now at this time of the year if you like me you're probably preparing for the holidays there are tons of holiday events every year and for every type of company organization and industry it might be a big event or it might just be a few staff members clients and their families You know, there are tons of people out there that sit there and look for information on events and shows and gifts and a whole bunch more. You know, there's a lot of competition, but the rewards are well worth it. So make sure you make it extremely interesting. And because it's a busy time of year and a lot of people are out making announcements, get your announcement out there sooner rather than later. Now if your business or organisation perhaps wins a lawsuit or a court ruling that can bring you great publicity or if one of your suppliers wins a court ruling, don't forget you can utilise the exposure and things that happen to your clients. Uh, if it's, if it's going to benefit you in the end and the people that deal with you. So it's a great opportunity to let the public hear about it. And if you're a lawyer or a law firm, Think of an online press release about your litigation victories. It's a great way to get each bit of everything you do out of the courtroom and into the public, the media, and to customers that are looking online for legal representation in your town. But like all media releases, you've got to minimise the jargon, cut out all the crap that the public isn't going to understand, put it in really simple English, so that everybody gets it. Another way to get good publicity is to hook your story to a technology trend. A CEO making an announcement, well, that's nothing new. But it is when they do it on YouTube or Twitter. Tech is one of the most talked about industries today. And you don't have to have a really high-tech product to get in on the action you can capitalise on the buzz out there simply with a notepad. But make sure you don't just talk tech. You've got to integrate that into the story about you, your company and your products. Now, we tweet here usually only a few times a day and usually about the radio programme and we um, answer some of the more interesting tweets that we receive. We also, if it's a really good, Great tweet. We'll retweet it to our contacts. And it's amazing how you can reach a huge number of people. We had a contact that had 25,000 contacts that they tweet, and they retweeted something that we had sent out. So that day, we reached 25,000 people that we would never, ever otherwise have reached. Now, how often do you podcast You know, in podcasting, the battle for a consistent listening audience is tough. Summarizing and promoting a successful podcast online, you know, it helps you turn up the volume a bit. A news release can help you brand your podcasts and get the word out to a broader audience to get you more listeners. Now, in business terms, that means more leads, more chances your message will get picked up and you'll get even more exposure. Another great way to get exposure is to share new market studies, research, surveys, polls. Everybody loves stats and surveys, particularly journalists who find ready-made stories in this type of news release. Readers also love sharing them in a big way they via links and tweets and Facebook and just about every other communication channel available. Just one good figure can do it. For example... 96.8% of all businesses fail within 10 years it's something i've said over and over again now get straight to that shocking figure and people will pick it up now, publishing a few helpful tips can also turn a search engine user anybody that uses the search engine into a potential customer so get your industry knowledge out there if you sell fitness products provide tips on how to use them if you sell computers Publish a list of keyboard shortcuts or a guide to how to avoid online scams. You have the tips and there's people out there looking for them. So get those media releases out there. And a great way to to reach local customers is to sponsor a local team or an event and then publish a news release promoting your involvement. It works a treat, particularly if it's a little league team and it's about kids It's a great thing to do, so make sure you promote any ongoing sponsorships you've got too. Now this morning, you might recall a few weeks ago we had a talk about um, crowdfunding, and this morning I had a great discussion with Bernie Dorman, who's the chairman of CEO Space International. They're a mentoring funding group that have literally generated billions of dollars. So we're going to talk to him in a couple of weeks. My main newsletter began going out today, and this month's article is about how every business can profit from a downturn. I outline 16 things you can do to kick butt even in this lousy economy. Don't miss it. I'm Bob Pritchard. I'll be back in a moment.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking
1: Radio Show. Now, this is where we give you an insight into the lives of some people that are great achievers and what makes them tick. You know, the interesting thing is that most extraordinary people and people that have achieved great things that I've ever come across seem to have begun life in ordinary, average circumstances just like most of us. So I think that's encouragement that any of us can achieve anything we want to achieve if we dedicate ourselves to it. So what makes these few people interesting, unusual, even great? Well, this is the segment where we find out. In keeping with our policy of getting extraordinary guests, today we have another great success story. My guest today in the segment, John Briggs, who I worked with Um, on stage at a speech. We were just talking about it. We think in Rome and we think possibly about 15 years ago and we became friends and um, I catch up with him from time to time in London. Now, John's work spans radio, TV, voiceover, training and conferences. He started in radio in 1981 as a tea boy. I've got to tell you, he makes a mean cup of tea. And then he progressed to the breakfast show with BBC Radio When he was 19, John is the station voice of BBC Radio 2, was the voice of the BBC quiz show The Weakest Link, and in 1996 he founded London-based talent agency The Excellent Talent Company. John worked as a reporter for BBC Radio 4, current affairs programs, and went on to anchor the breakfast news program for BBC Radio 5. John is a superstar conference moderator, so anybody that's out there listening and wants um, a moderator that's different than the norm here in America, um, John's your guy, and he works with some of the world's largest companies. He also provides his voice-for-text-to-speech software, including Siri, the personal assistant application for Apple's iPhone 4S. Hi, John. I Bob, I should employ you as my agent. I, I would like to be your agent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you never stop working. I should point out that, of course, there's a lot of people going, hang on a minute, the voice of the iPhone 4 is female. Well, yes, it is in the States, but if you come to the Europe and the UK, the voice of the iPhone 4S and Siri is male, and there is much debate over which one is more acceptable, which one people enjoy listening to. Uh, more of, I suggest uh, a quick Google and reveal more.
1: <laughs> Just before we start talking about um, what you do, um, now you're a great conference host, and for all those listening out there who are called on to run a sales conference at work or give a, an impromptu presentation or even stand up at a wedding, what are the most important things for a,
2: an MC to know? I think play to your strengths, number one. Don't try to be something that you're not. If you're generally regarded as not being funny, don't try to be funny, uh, because comedy is the hardest thing to use in front of an audience. But the other thing is to know your audience. Uh, the beauty of radio, of course, which I have spent many years in, and that's something you're enjoying now, um, you don't see your audience, you can't actually, and luckily in some instances, Absolutely. Uh, feel, feel them with their bottom shuffling when they get fed up or bored. Or indeed, you don't hear the sound of the switch as they turn you off. Uh, so uh, you, you are quite privileged. One is quite privileged in that position, of course, with uh, an audience in front of you. Uh, where you are having to be yourself, because most actors, of course, are being something else on stage. That's right. As an MC, as a speaker, as you know too well, you are being yourself, and you are aware of how the audience is reacting. And you know as well, surefire material that you know works. And if it doesn't work, you then get rather worried, because it's not going the way you think it <laughs> should do. And, and, and that means, therefore, that you are rating your performance as you go along. So... It can be very exposing, but in general, number one, enjoy yourself. Number two, make sure everybody can hear you. Do not be frightened of the sound of your own voice. Number three, know who you're talking to and be yourself. Great advice. Now, how important
1: is the impression that we give with our voice? I mean, you're you're gifted with this great voice, but how important
2: is it? You know, it's a really interesting thing, this, Bob. Um, we give away an awful lot with our voice, I think, that the voice is the window to the soul. People say the eyes are the window to the soul. I don't believe that for a moment. If you are a member of a gym, you probably head down to that gym fairly regularly. You pay a regular fee to that gymnasium, probably something in the region of, you know, a $1,000 a year, probably more. Mm -hmm. And that's to make sure that when you walk into a room, people go, well, you look good. And that's lovely. And that's fantastic. And I heartily uh, applaud that. But then you open your mouth, and I bet you spend more time plucking your eyebrows than you do paying attention to how your voice sounds. And the voice is a muscle. Do not be fooled. It's not some magic box of tricks. The voice is a muscle, like any other part of you, and requires exercise to keep it in trim. So if I just turn around to you, Bob, and you just rung me up on the phone, and you go, hi, John, it's Bob here, and I go, oh, hi, Bob. Yeah. You know, inside three words, exactly what my attitude towards you is at that moment. That maybe, you know, uh, I think you still owe me money or <laughs> perhaps. But, you know, I've given away in that. Alternatively, I turn around and say, hi, Bob. You can go, great. We've, we're on here. We've got a good conversation going to come here because this guy is pleased to hear from me. So yeah. the voice is vital. And not only just in business. Just think about your own personal life, how your partner, how your children, how your relatives react to you when you speak to them. Remember that phone call when you ring home and Dad picks up the phone and he goes, oh, hi, I'll just get your mother. He doesn't want to speak to you, you know? (laughs) There's there's a giveaway in that. There's a relationship because when we hear somebody's voice, I can tell you a number of things, and so can you, Bob, without any training whatsoever. You can reveal somebody's basic age Somebody's educational background, you pretty much know whether they're male or female. You probably know something about their geographical background as well, which part of the country or indeed individual country they come from. And then you move on to the really interesting stuff. You begin to know in a matter of seconds whether you can bully somebody, whether you are feeling more prestigious than they are, whether you are feeling more self-righteous than they are. They are huge giveaways. And you have to think about those because they're a huge part of how you come across as a person and how you affect your business dealings. That,
1: I probably shouldn't say this, but the one thing that comes to mind as you say that is um, Beckham. You know, I, Beckham, I, Beckham is one of my idols. I think he's sensational. But when he opens his
2: mouth, it sort of lets him down a little bit, I feel. I, I think it certainly changes people's opinion of him because he has – he works in a very male, macho world, yeah. but his voice is actually slightly effeminate.
0: Mm.
2: Now, the thing about David Beckham, of course, two things go with him, as you well know. Uh, firstly, is he's damn good in the macho world, so actually you don't care too much about his voice. Okay. When you're as good as what you do as David Beckham is, you can get away with a lot. But actually, you know what, Bob? Even the best orators don't have to have the most amazing voices, Nowadays, with YouTube, you can go online and and Google or YouTube a few of Winston Churchill's speeches, considered by many on both sides of the Atlantic as being one of the greatest orators of the 20th century. You go and listen. to. First of all, Winston Churchill had a speech impediment. There's a a very hard slur on his S's. And actually, listen carefully half the time, he sounds just a little bit drunk, too. This is not (laughs) a man who had a great oratorial voice, somebody like Barack Obama actually has a very good oratorial voice, it's one of the things he was extremely good at, John F. Kennedy of course yes. one of the greatest oratorial voices, but actually Winston Churchill's is the one that everyone comes back to, and it wasn't the greatest voice, so although I've just said, you know, you really need to have a good impression with your voice, don't forget the, the way you use the speech, and people talk about you know how much is it what you say, and how much is it the way you say it I don't necessarily think it's the words entirely. I think you've got to say them in the right way. So a bad voice, but using the speech in the right intonation and style, exercising the vast range that a voice can provide can get you a long way.
1: Hmm.
2: So can you train your voice to work more effectively? You know, people come up to me and say, so have you trained your voice, and my standard reply and some effort and nods towards humor is to say, well, I... I put a piece of newspaper down on the kitchen floor, but nothing ever happened. Um, <laughs> and that, I, I normally get the polite laugh you just given me there, Bob. But um, you can train your voice. Yes, you never, of course. Never you do
1: comedy do. unless it's your strength. I heard that somewhere.
2: Yeah, no. Somebody, somebody I know said that to me. I, I think uh, that the the whole process of of training the voice is an interesting one, and I've I've never done it specifically. I've never had anybody who sat down and trained my voice. I was lucky. I was the kid who got picked for the recitation competitions and picked for the parts in the school play because I could be heard at the back of the hall. I was no great shakes as an actor, but at least the audience of parents used to be able to understand the dialogue because they could yep. hear me. Sure. I think there are people who train their voices to change their accents. Uh, certainly in the UK now, regional accents are much more acceptable than they right. used to be. In fact, are encouraged a lot of drama schools that we find we, 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 with the agency, we're getting reels from drama school students who have had their regional accents trained out of them, so they speak what we call RP, Received Pronunciation, or the Queen's English, as it is known over here. Yeah, so yeah. if you ever listen to the Queen give a speech, you'll know exactly how posh that can be. Sure, we're much more accepting of, of regional accents, so I don't think it's necessary to train that out of people because it doesn't necessarily give away. M- much about your intelligence and, indeed, maybe your your wealth or your social background. Uh, but I don't, I, I, I don't think training the voice is the answer because I think anyone can actually be confident on stage with their voice. That's the big thing. We're taught as children to be seen and not heard. Many of the people that I train and talk to, CEOs of companies, were kids who put their hand up in class and were told to pipe down by the teacher. Sure. People who, when they first... Had encounters with speaking in public, didn't enjoy it and got put down and have never done it again since. Sure. Now with, when you're giving
1: a presentation or whatever you're doing, surely what you say is more important than, the content's more important than, uh, than the way you deliver it. True or
2: false? False. False because content is not necessarily something that people remember an awful lot of. You and I know when, you know, you, when, when you leave that stage and you've been on that stage for 40 minutes and Bob, I've seen you, you are a consummate professional. You have the ability to take a sleepy audience and wake them up in a matter of 30 seconds and have them pay attention to you on the edge of their seats for the full time that you're on stage. And when you leave stage, God bless anybody who comes after you, because the momentum that they have to pick up is nigh on impossible to do it. And, and believe you me, I've, I've had to, to pick up an audience after you have finished with them, after you've left them crying out for more. Uh, but that process is 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 um, is is about motivating and entertaining people. So in other words, I say to people, what you do on stage is contagious. It's a virus. You transmit it to the audience. So. If Bob, you stood on stage and gave your message, and you said your messages in a sort of monotone voice that really didn't have any level of excitement to it, and, and in general, that, that'd be a really good experiment trying to get you to do that because I bet you couldn't. Yep. It'd be like giving you a really nice, soft, chewy sweet and asking you not to chew it. I just don't think you could. <laughs> I think that, that you know you would definitely go that. Well, that audience, I gave them the messages, and and I didn't have the same impact. Why? Because you didn't do it with the level of verve and, and excitement and energy that you give it. Look, Bob, you stand on a stage, okay, and you stand on a stage and you laugh. For no apparent reason, for 30, 40 seconds, people in your audience will start to laugh too. They don't know why they're laughing, but it's contagious. What you do is contagious and the level of energy you give to it, which can largely be explained and expressed with your voice, it can't necessarily be explained hugely with your body unless you bounce around the stage like a jack in the box. And when you get into our age, Bob, that's, that's easy to do because you get out. <laughs> but no, your message will come across, but it won't come across nearly as effectively as if you impart some energy and some light and shape to it. So,
1: what skills do professional voice artists like yourself use that um, can be of use to just men and women in
2: business generally? I think the biggest skill that, that voice artists understand is because you don't hear yourself like I hear you. Nobody does. Mm. Remember that first time in the dim and distant days beyond recall when we didn't record everything on our m- mobile phones? When you listened to yourself uh, yeah. on an answer phone, you went, I don't sound like that, do I? <laughs> That's how it sounds to other people. And The reason you don't hear yourself is the way other people sound, uh, as other people hear you, I should say, is because... Your ears are inside a rather large, hollow sphere. One's skull reverberates. Uh, Particularly men, of course, can feel it very easily. If you just hold your jaw as you speak, you will feel your jawbone vibrate. It is those vibrations that you're picking up with your ear, as well as the external sound. Listen, a little trick for you. If you want to hear what you sound like, take your hands, cup them behind both ears, and pull them slightly forward... As if you're trying to make your ears look bigger than they are. So pull your ears out from the side of your head and cut them with your hands, and then speak, and you will hear yourself the way that other people hear you, and it's really quite different. The skill a voice artist has is the understanding of what they need to hear inside their head to get the outside impression that other people want to hear. So the yeah. big sk- people, the big. Sorry, interrupt. Sorry, Bob. John, but the, right. the, the big tr- trick, if you want to try and do things is to stretch the muscles in your voice, read to your kids, expand the vocal cords. Because, as I say, they're like a muscle, and if you don't use them, then they atrophy. the VoiceOver artists are like the the vocal athletes of the world. They're in training every day. They're out there doing jobs in studios, morning, noon, and night. And much like any other athlete, if you try to go onto the track now, having never done any warm-up, or indeed any practice, and you want to run the 400 metres in the same sort of time that an athlete will, you're going to pull something. So you need to learn to flex your voice. And the best way of doing that is if you've got kids, or you can find kids, or you can kidnap kids, take them all on one side and read to them and do all the voices in their books, because that begins to expand your vocal range. And with an expansive vocal range, what you can do is inspire and spark energy into your voice, which, as we said, will then transmit itself to your audience John it's great to
1: speak to you next time I'm back in London we must do another pizza what a great career you've had and mate you're only just starting
2: oh I wish Bob I'm older than you think
1: now if you'd like to find out more about John and his talent bureau go to his website www.excellenttalent.com and I'll be back for the last segment of the show after this short break
0: Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? with standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Booster your business. Come join Jenny B. and discover the keys to your success. Each week, our program will help you earn more cash and rewards with less effort. You may even be inspired to join the lucrative world of party planning and direct sales. Discover how you can boost bookings, sales, and recruits. Come learn what you need to do to build your team with recognition
1: and rewards. Listen for Booster Your Business with Jenny B every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show.
1: Every week on this program, I talk about how governments won't solve the unemployment issue or change the way we do business. It's entrepreneurs that innovate create new ways to do things that create jobs they're the ones that get things done now this program goes out globally and we know from our emails and our calls that we've got listeners on five continents one country where they listen is New Zealand which is a favorite destination for American tourists as you may know Christchurch the second largest city suffered in February and June last year, earthquakes measuring 6 and above, plus literally 10,000 aftershocks. And the sequence began in September 2010 with a massive 7.1 quake. It was devastating. Over 180 people were killed. 1,400 central city commercial buildings either came down or in ruin and had to be demolished. Many thousands of homes have been destroyed, with over a 100,000 homes severely damaged. And of course, infrastructure and utilities went by the by as well. Now, I've got a good friend in Christchurch. An entrepreneur who's always pushed the envelope. This is the kind of person I like. And he's a guy who calls a spade a spade, and he gets things done. Before I speak to Brooke McKenzie in Christchurch to find out the latest... Let me read you a part of one of his emails to me. Nero fiddling while Rem— whoops—Nero fiddling while Rome burned—is fucking apt. There is not a lateral thinker or entrepreneur in the top echelon. Public servants who have never done a thing except eat, sleep, and collect their wages are now creating regulations to stop anyone doing anything worthwhile now before I go to Brooke let me read you a quote from the Reverend Mike Coleman in Christchurch the crisis is deepening in the suburbs people are coming out in rashes across their body and they're worn out by the continual battle they're having with their insurance companies and EQC now that's a New Zealand um, earthquake insurance um, company government People are living in houses without any damage, having never lost sewage, water and power, yet they're being told to leave their land. Why are the basic human rights of our people not being honoured by this government? Wow. Well, when I spoke to Brook, he sounded pretty pissed off. <laughs> so I thought I'd have him on the program. Hi, Brooke, How are you? G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good. Um, this appears to be a story of tragedy and destruction and i can imagine people are totally demoralized then there comes a glimmer of hope but this is wrecked by incompetence at the top and i have the impression that if the government got out of the way it would be a great
3: opportunity for for entrepreneurs like yourself is that a correct assumption oh possibly that but firstly uh I must point out that in our central government and local government, there are some extremely good and talented people. So I'm not getting at the whole lot of them, but there's a lot of useless pricks amongst them. And the other thing you've brought up is that, you know, 180 people killed, 1,400 central city buildings gone, and many thousands of uh, homeless people and, and or displaced people, and 100,000 homes severely damaged. Uh, you know, that, that's a tragedy. It's incredible. But there's a bigger tragedy. It's, we've got insurance companies that aren't playing ball, and lack of payouts are incredible, and the psychological effect on thousands of families is immense, and it's wrong, and it has to be uh, changed. So The biggest tragedy, mate, is the lack of true leadership. Uh, when you have a, have a tragedy like this, you need, you need people to lead you, and we've had hopes after hope, and they haven't worked out. And every time we have a new issue, uh, the powers that be, they point another group to take over that section. So we've got a bloody great big dragon with about 10 heads, one brain, and it's about to fall flat on its face.
1: It has got a brain, though.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well look, yes, some of the people are incredible. Uh, I've been meeting with a lot of people lately that I'm terribly impressed with. That there's no entrepreneurial skill. There's no lateral thinking. They're very much uh, going down the book line, and they can't deviate. And yeah. to deviate, they have to get permission or regulation or something, and it's, it's, it's bullshit. Christ, uh, no, just, when that first earthquake hit at 435 in September 2010, and it's a prelude of 10,000-plus. It was the equivalent of uh, thousands of tonnes of TNT going off. And it went for a minute. And i tell you, 4.35 in the morning and pitch black, it was like riding a rodeo bull. and uh, But I-, I wouldn't have missed it for quid's.
1: Oh really? Well I, I was caught up in the one in 92 in LA that brought down the major freeways and killed a whole bunch of people And I would have missed that for anything <laughs> Now Christchurch has got to be on a pretty bad fault line And um, most of the place is destroyed The morale of the people that are left there is shot So even if Christchurch can be rebuilt with more quake resistant properties Why the hell would anybody want to build there again?
3: Yeah, it's a good question uh, we are sitting on fault lines and are finding them all over the show. And uh, morale is pretty low after 10,000 uh, yeah. of these things. But a lot of them we don't feel. But, uh, you know, a lot we do. The CBD is an interesting one. It sits on a filled swamp and there's over two faults. And we've lost our convention centre, town halls, sports stadiums. In, in, in reality, there are virtually no major public facilities remaining lost our power for for long periods and 18 months. You know, today some people don't even have sewage. And (laughs) it's pretty rough stuff. And, uh, you know, there's thousands and thousands of people uh, trapped in seriously damaged or patched up houses. And they can't shift anywhere because there's a huge accommodation problem. And if they find somewhere to live, then we suddenly find the greed factor coming up and all these, I suppose, asshole landlords... Uh, they're gouging, so it's not on. And then, on top of that, we've got all these people that, you know, the powers that be, that, uh, and people with festive interests, of course, are hell-bent on developing the central city uh, area, and putting stadiums, conference centre, and uh, office buildings on this crap land. And to top it off, mate, they can't get insurance for them. So Mm. the you, you know, it's it's, it's Looney Tunes thinking.
1: So, what are you? You're pretty critical of of all the various parties involved in the fixer Um What are they doing or not doing that, in your view, is impeding getting this city up and running again?
3: Well, it sounds it sounds terrible, Bob. You're making it sound out that I'm a knocker and actually I'm doing the opposite. I'm a no, I know you are. Sort of I know you are yep. trying to do a few things, but I am critical. The city council. Uh, is totally dysfunctional. There's some young guys in there that are trying to make a mark, uh, but it's been split by party politics, egos, mismanagement, and we've got a megalomaniac mayor that uh, seems to think that uh, he can walk on water. And uh, but you know, really, it's our own fault because no one takes notice of local body politics, so we they're not important, so we get second raters. Making yeah. and in this case making multi-billion-dollar uh, decisions, mm. the majority of these people have had the biggest decision they've made is, is on their own is what to have for dinner. Yeah, I, don't, so, I understand. <laughs> so we we, we double whammy. Uh, the city employed this manager we used to call him Town clerks. Yeah, but we we call this guy now a CEO. And he's got a history of causing problems wherever he's been, and he's been nothing but a problem since he arrived here. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of incompetence, structures of cronyism, nepotism. And the mayor and the CEO became joined at the hip, and we've had several protests, people trying to get rid of them. Oh, it's quite a party here, I tell you.
1: <laughs> it sounds great. Now... Surely the government, though, needs to be 100% certain that whatever's built would need to withstand an even larger quake because you never know what's going to happen. I know all the retrofitting that's happened in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles has always been prepared for the big one that's going to come. But even after '92, the amount of money spent on trying to withstand a 9 or a 10, which is probably never going to happen, has been phenomenal. So how are they... Um, safeguarding against um, it all happening again?
3: Well, they're not. Uh, this thing. We, the scientists tell us we're in for shakes for the next 30 years. And, you know, as you know, in Los Angeles, you, you guys became used to them, and we're pretty well used to them too. And uh, But the city was expanded on swamp land in the first place, and the, uh, the local indigenous people used to gather food there that they never built there. Hmm. And now we've got land... Uh, development being accelerated with uh, new subdivisions and they're being rushed through for thousands of blocks of land. And uh, they're still put on this land that's crackland. It's got this stuff called liquefaction Bob, and it's incredible stuff. For the first six months, no one really knew how to say it. They used to call it liquidifaction and liquefaction and lecture watching and all the rest <laughs> of it. Which is a real big, it's a real beauty. It's where when the ground shakes in the substrata, The water separates from these particles, and it suddenly rushes to the top, and it's it's like mini volcanoes and floods, and all this horrible, horrible stuff comes roaring out of the ground, and yeah, and you end up with it three feet thick. You end up with it through your houses, and it comes up through the floor, and uh, we've got some poor devils that have gone through this cleaning it up four to five times, and. (laughs) It's it's areas, the land has also dropped in areas of one to one and a half meters. So wow. because of the stuff coming out of the ground, it's quite incredible. But out of that, you know, we've seen things like we've got kids, uh, all the students mobilized, and they were absolutely fantastic. Thousands of university students and school kids led yeah. by one young fella, and they got out there, and they've been on shovels. We've got the farmers, they're all out there, and uh, they're into it. It, it stresses them all out a bit after doing it four or five times, but hey, they'll do it again.
1: Yeah, so is this liquefaction going to keep going? I mean, are we going to? is there an untold quantity of this mud stuff coming up or does it eventually peter itself out? Oh, look,
3: I, I don't know. But, you know, anything over a five, and we've had a few of them, uh, it, it comes up, and uh, it comes up in different areas. And, you know, the quality of land right throughout the... Eastern side of the city is poked. Mm. Western side of the city is good, solid land, but no one's developing out there because we've got an airport with noise contours. Yeah. She's a crazy, crazy place to live, mate. Okay, so how, how are the population and the children coping with all this? Well, yeah, it's a, we're, we're, we've lost 28,000 full-time jobs, and I would say with part-timers that aren't taken into account, there'd be at least double of double that. Mm. Uh, the kids oh, they're, they're just brilliant they're just resilient and uh, you know they get earthquakes every day And but anything less than a 4.5 they don't even blink mm. but I tell you what the kids in Christchurch are the world experts on what to do in an earthquake they, yeah. they've got it down pat
1: yeah I'm sure um, so the insurance situation How how is that you mentioned before there's an insurance problem what it happens, of course, all the time. The insurance companies don't yeah, want to
3: pay yeah, any money. Uh, yeah, the insurance problem is huge, and they're holding back, and they really want a size uh, nine boot right up the ass. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's creating appearance that just it, it aren't faring so well, a lot of them. Uh, a huge number have lost their jobs, and many have had to move from home to home into rentals. Their accommodation insurance has run out so that... that these poor buggers, they're paying accommodation. They still have to pay rates on their property. Some of them are getting like, a rate rebate by about... So they're paying 40% of the rates. They're still paying their... Insu- well, they're arguing with an insurance company, mate. Right? They're arguing with them. The bloody yep. insurance companies are still taking their money yep. and giving them nothing, nothing back.
1: So they've lost and their on- homes. They've lost their homes, they're still paying their mortgage. The yep. houses are probably under water, excuse the run under mud, <laughs> excuse the pun. And yep. they're still paying their insurance premiums, and the insurance premiums aren't paying out. That is a deadly cocktail.
3: That is, you know, they're being from all over the show. So there's a lot of mental health issues in the city. There's no doubt about that. And the oldies, uh, a lot of yep. these people, when they do get insurance payouts, aren't getting enough money to even buy a land replacement, let alone a land and house Yeah. So, you know, there's some huge opportunities here for some low-cost building people and uh, okay. people who know how to get land on market pretty cheaply.
1: Brook, what would you like to see done if there was a...
3: What needs to um, be done? Well we're lacking the leadership, I've, I've told you that, and... Yeah. What we need is really a a really tough, no-nonsense sort of person to cut through all the bullshit and rules and regulations, red tape, and to lead from the front. Now, that guy, you may make all the balls-ups in the world, but we'll respect him for making decisions and doing things. Yeah. And we also need a fair deal for our displaced people. You know, you broached earlier on uh, the EQC. That's a a marvellous scheme developed by the government, and you've got to give them full credit for it, the first uh, 100,000 of uh, an insurance claim for earthquake or disaster is paid by the government, and then the insurance companies take over. Now, this has been in existence for uh, 60-odd years. It's a bloody good deal for the insurance companies. (laughs) But they had a staff of 22, and then when this hit, they started employing Every man and his dog as an insurance assessor to come out to your property. Now, the main uh, criteria was that you could write. So, <laughs> we, <laughs> no, anyway, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, we get, and, and with ne, when, uh, cronies and nepotism, you know, 19 year old kids were getting employed by their fathers who were a bit further up the, uh, the meal chain. Yeah. They were getting 90 bucks a day, their accommodation. they brought bought them from all over the place. Australia 90 bucks a day. Canada. Oh, sorry, ninety bucks an hour. Ninety bucks an hour. hour. Yeah, (laughs) ninety bucks an hour. How do you get Um, a job like that? Well, I don't know. It's uh, it's incredible. And then they come out and they assess your house. Now, I know one house that's been assessed ten times. It's gone (laughs) from uh, being a write-off to one hundred ninety thousand dollars worth of damage to thirty-five thousand dollars damage. It's a joke. And then they start uh,
1: fighting about whose responsibility is, I suppose.
3: Yes, they are. And they're fighting hammer and tongue at the moment, and people are just absolutely getting nowhere.
1: Okay. Now, I've got a magic wand, and I put you in charge tomorrow. You're now the boss. You can do whatever the hell you like. What are the first three things that you'd do?
3: (laughs) The first thing, is no bloody way would you put me in charge. You'd have a stiff drink. I'd, (laughs) I'd say No. But, uh, no, we, I've, I've covered the decisive leadership. Uh, we yep. need the, we, we really need entrepreneurs. We need lateral thinkers. Yep. Uh, we need the stupid decisions to rebuild large, uninsurable, publicly owned buildings on bad land. That's got to stop. Uh, commercial property owners, these, this is a major hassle. Our central city is closed. It was meant to be open in April after how many year or so. And uh it's now gonna be another year before it's open because we've got owners of buildings and their insurance companies arguing like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And so the damn buildings stay up, Nothing they should be flattened yeah. by now. Yeah. So the commercial property owners and their insurers have got to be told, Okay, boys, you've got ten days to do it, reach agreement. After that, every single day you're both getting fined hundred grand or whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, I I so, often I often refer to, and it's probably not quite fair, but I, I remember the first when the world seemed to be in a disastrous mess and then um, Kennedy and Khrushchev get together, got together for the first time and they discussed every major problem on the planet and took them two hours. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> we get insurance companies that 18 months later still can't make decisions. I mean, that's disgraceful.
3: Oh, it's disgraceful, but it's, it's not only the commercial side, it's the the private side. And if the EQC and an insurance company are arguing over, say, your house, and you're getting nowhere, they should be told, "Okay, boys, you've got 10 days, and after that, they've got a penalty. And if they're paying that penalty, both of them equally, then you get the benefit. So you can sit back and your house might not be getting fixed while these pricks argue, but at least you're getting something out of it. And that would hurry them up quite a lot. know, final word. uh, yeah mate, this this is a devastated city, but yeah and, and maybe I've been a little critical, but it's still the best little city and the best little country in the world and and we need help, and the global community have been fantastic. But when I say we need help, we don't need handouts. There's a lot of people listening to your program. Come to New Zealand people and see what an earthquake can do to a modern city. Uh, you'll be welcome made very, very welcome. And you will see daily struggle and courage and understand the effect of what these things can do to the people. Yeah. Uh, we don't have much accommodation to live, so <laughs> I don't know where they're all going to stay. Mate, most probably sort of sleeping on people's uh, couches in their lounge room. Yeah. But you know, it's it's something that they would never, never, ever forget. It would give realization. It would help our local economy. And then after that, after I've had a look around here, and it really is an eye-opener, and I promise anyone who comes, they will remember it vividly. And they might even get an earthquake, and that's a bonus. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So then they can go for you know, continue their journey,
1: mate. It's great to speak to you. It probably reminds a lot of people here of uh, Katrina that swept through um, New Orleans a few years ago. Um, sure. And I hope that you get some action happening. It certainly sounds like you need it. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with Brooke, you can email him at b.mckenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, at extra, X-T-R-A, dot co, dot New Zealand. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break.
0: You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, we've got time
1: for just one quick email tonight, but keep sending them into us. If I don't answer you on air, I'll respond to you and try to point out the information that you need uh, by email. Of course, if we read your email on air... We will send you a copy of my newest book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. Tonight's email comes from Erin Charles, Branson, Missouri, who writes, Dear Bob, I love your show. It has been a great help to my business. I'm using your guidelines to write a business plan, and I wondered if you had a template that I could use. I will need to get investment, hopefully raise enough from friends and family, so do I still need an investment document as well as the business plan? Erin, the business plan should be a highly detailed document that sets out exactly how you're going to move forward, including sections like SWOT analysis and so on. That's a detailed guide for you to follow. The investment document doesn't go into so much operational detail, but tells the investor what you're doing, why there is a need for it, how big the need is, how you're going to penetrate the market what investments required and what they get back and a couple of other things. I hope that helps. A copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets that's on its way to you. I've got just rushing now because I'm running out of time, but um, talking about new crowdfunding legislation in the JOBS Act, um, it's a tipping point. It begins in July with the general solicitation part of the Act and we believe that it will bring in maybe up to a trillion dollars of investment into entrepreneurs, a trillion dollars. So this is one interview you don't want to miss. Next week, Bernie Dorman. Um, my main newsletter is going out at the moment. And if you would like to get the newsletter and my pearls of wisdom free each month, Go to www.bobpritchard.com. Don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at the Bob Pritchard. Join me on LinkedIn. Contact me any way that takes your fancy, but please don't ignore me. I'm Bob Pritchard. I'll be back next week.
0: You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.